Hey, this is Joe Castiglione, and you're listening to Not Another Sox Podcast with Matt Caval, Matt LeBeau, and Jack Webster. Can you believe it? I just came to say goodbye. I'm in the corner watching you kiss Buenas noches, amigos, and welcome to another episode of Not Another Socks Podcast. I'm Jack Webster here with Matt Galveo and Matt LeBeau. Gentlemen, we're locked out. How you doing? <laughs> we are back, man. We're back. Um, it's, been a, it's been a week, a little over a week since we've been back here, and uh, it's been good. Uh, last, like we were talking about before uh, we recorded last time, um, you know, literally right after the day after we finished recording, we had all these signings around the MLB. Uh, we had a trade at, uh, too that we're going to get into. And it was just, uh, it's been really crazy. Um, you know, the last week, uh, what has gone down, uh, throughout the league. Yeah. We're, we are officially in a lockdown. So, um, I don't know, is this, is this a lawful podcast? Is this, is this lawful, um, recording of a podcast that I, I don't. I don't know if if we're allowed to do this. Well, we're not. We're not using the likeness of any players. Right. There's no dissemination. Are we disseminating anything? No yeah. dissemination. <laughs> we might get sued yeah. if we drop this. Um, so, we we should yeah, have I mean, like our obviously faces uh, first time uh, there has been a lockout strike or anything in baseball in over 20 years, basically our entire lifetime since 1994. Yeah. Um, uh, that was you know kind of when most of us were born or even around that time frame. So we have never experienced a time where we have never not had MLB baseball in our lives. Yeah. It, it feels weird, you know, just like I, you with Twitter notifications is like the one thing that you miss. It's like, you're waiting for, you know, a shoe to drop. It's December. It's getting a little chilly. You're waiting for that first snowstorm. You're waiting for that first Jeff passing bomb about the $300 million contract. And you just, your phone's just dry. You know, it's it's it sucks. But, um, yeah, hopefully there's a resolution. We'll see how the winter goes. Um, other than that, I mean, the Red Sox were busy right before it. That's for sure. Every team seemed busy right before. Yeah. Literally, it was kind of like uh, getting your uh, grades in at uh, 1159 on Canvas right before <laughs> uh, the assignments due. Every team was kind of in that same boat. And, uh, you know, you, you still missed a few assignments at the end of the day, but uh, you you can make them up later, hopefully. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> please, uh, please, no, please, no college jokes. I did not attend uh, college. So please, please, no That's college right. jokes. Thank you. Do, right. not, uh, do not appropriate my culture. Thank you. <laughs> you can always be a phoenix. <laughs> That's true. University of Phoenix grad Matt LeBeau. They they had a Super Bowl. Do not hate University of Phoenix Stadium. Yes, that's right. They had a that's Super right. Bowl. Well, yeah, that was in. That's the name of the. That was the name of the arena at the time. I think it's still the, the name of the arena in in Arizona. Yeah, the, Card, the Cardinals. For the Cardinals yeah. play. Yeah, that is hilarious. I had no idea about that. Yeah, no. University of Phoenix Stadium, and the Patriots played in the Super Bowl there. They lost to the Giants, two thousand seven. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about that. No, no that it didn't happen. Fake news. 
Oh man, but I really, I really do hope this lockout situation, uh, you know, kind of obviously, you know, ends at some point here, but especially before spring training, because it, it does suck. Anytime a, a sport's locked out, you know, we've had lockouts, you know, in the NHL in our lifetime, the, uh, the NFL's had one, um, you know, and it, it really just sucks for the fans. I mean, but, you know, obviously like us and, and everybody else who's, you know, a baseball fan and a fan of any sport that's in a lockout, um, it sucks. I mean, they, they're really the ones that lose out, um, really the most, uh, I feel like in this situation. No, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird feeling right now to be locked out without having to actually miss any real games because it kind of feels like you're still in that limbo of, are we actually going to miss any baseball? Are we not? What are these what are even the major issues that they're going to have to overcome in order for, you know, spring training and the regular season to start on time? I know, um, obviously, a salary cap and a salary floor is a big thing. The draft's a big thing. Um, and there's a whole lot of other international signing issues and drafts and lotteries that, uh, you know, might come into play here. So out of everything that you kind of see on both sides it would almost feel a little ridiculous if they didn't reach an agreement but the crazier things have happened yeah no i agree and in terms of like you said the feeling of of a lockout i don't really know if there's if you wake up every day and you feel like oh baseball's in a lockout it just kind of feels like the off season but like a little more depressing i think yeah. though i mean this this is the the big market teams i don't want to say they're 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 going to benefit from it, but they're going to be the ones that are going to be able to pivot at the end of the day when it's over and sign whoever they want, trade for whoever they want, because they have bags of money to play with. And if it's guys at the end of this just looking for like one year deals, I mean, the Red Sox will be able to clean up whatever they want. Story, Correa, uh, whoever. So, right. you know, I, I don't I don't want to say the Red Sox are benefiting from it, but I don't think it's really hurting them all too much. No, I mean, like you said, uh the Red Sox bottom line is now going to be hurt at the end of the day here. The Yankees aren't. And honestly, it's going to kind of be weird if there is a salary floor, because the way it's going to work is, you know, the higher market teams are going to have to pay the lower market teams literally money so that they can sign players. And I mean, that's probably not going to be this first year here. They're going to have to, you know, kind of roll it out gradually. But even, you know, if the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers are having to make the Rays and Pirates actually spend money, it's probably better for the sport at the end of the day. Right. You know, it's not coming out of the fans' pocket directly. So hopefully, you know, things kind of progress in that regard. And, you know, there's some type of agreement uh, over the course of the next few weeks. No, exactly. And I and like Jack, to your point, like I get the, the salary floor thing. I, I completely get that because obviously they want the whole point is to just make the league you know just give everybody kind of a fair shake so that you know obviously it's not always those big market teams that are um you know signing guys to huge contracts and you know getting all the top free agents and all that you know it kind of you know kind of spreads the wealth uh you know around the league and um you know makes for those lower market teams um, you know, able to, you know, remain competitive with those bigger markets like the Bostons and the New Yorks and, you know, mm. all those other teams. So I, I definitely do get that. Yeah. Let, let me ask you guys a question about the salary floor, though. Honestly, if you're following the Astros model, which is tank as much as you can tank 
hard, you know, get those draft picks, develop those those draft picks. Wouldn't you just say, okay, I'm just going to pay fucking bad players? Like, hey, um, you know, barely above replacement level player, here's $16 million and you just hit the lottery because we still want to lose and we still want to get those those draft picks. We have to just meet the salary floor. So here's a guy that's just going to get paid a lot more than he's worth. Do you think that would happen? Or, I mean, do you think people, the teams would actually go out and spend on guys that would help them win? So I think you kind of have to balance that out a little bit with some type of almost like what the NBA does with a lottery style draft where you can't be like the Orioles or the Diamondbacks, where you're essentially intentionally losing games. You're not putting your best team out there. Um, so even if you are a 116-loss team in the regular season, you can't guarantee you know, you're going to get an Adley Rutschman or a uh, Henry Davis or one of those type of draft picks. Like You could still get the fifth all-around draft pick, or you could still, you know, miss out on a special talent. You can't just purposely yeah. tank. And I think, you know, you see even a little less of it than you might have in years past. You used to see it a whole lot more because of that whole Astros, Cubs kind of model of literally tearing it all down. You, you, but you, I don't feel like you don't need to tear it all down at the end of the day. Now you can kind of be right. average for a little bit and then, you know, rebuild the farm system at the same time. You kind of saw it with the Red Sox even. Real real quick, real quick. Adley Rushman, I'm glad you run him up. Who the Yankee fans would not trade for, by the way, just just real quick. Just, just want to throw that in there. According to a recent Twitter poll, um, 57 or, or over percent of Yankee fans said they would not make a trade for Adley Rushman. You mean they wouldn't trade Clint Frazier and Miguel and Duhar for for him? Fortunately, they can't anymore, at least with Frazier. So, um, I don't understand the type of mental gymnastics that you have to take, where you would think the Orioles would trade him in the first place. Like, right? Because they're like, because in order to trade a prospect like that, you're getting an Aaron Judge, you're getting. Glaber Torres, if he actually ended up panning out, you're getting one of those guys. You're not trading a top prospect for another top prospect. It's not like the Orioles are going, oh, we're going to trade the number one prospect in baseball for Jason Dominguez, you know, right. a top 25 guy that, you know, is probably going to be a major leaguer, but not be quite <laughs> a franchise player like, you know, a 1-1 type of guy can be. Yeah, you, you said it best. It's mental gymnastics with those people. I don't understand the thought process. You just can't make sense of it. It's real. It really is honestly just baffling, like some of the takes that they have. And and, and this one's a pretty bad one. Um, it, it's I mean, I feel like it's every every episode like we have. There's just something that Yankees fans say or do on Twitter. And it's it, it, so it much just content. like they can't like they it's. They try to one up themselves every week. It seems there's there's endless amount of content out there. If you're a Red Sox fan, or if you're a fan of any team, and you know you follow Yankee fans on Twitter, it really is amazing. Never gets old. Never gets old. No, and I mean it's unbelievable that you know it, that it wasn't a ninety nine point nine percent yes in that poll 
that they would rather have Gary Sanchez and Kyle Higashiosha, or however you pronounce his name, as your one-two over probably the best catcher in baseball right now that's not in the majors. And even if he was in the majors, he would probably be a top five guy right now. I can't think of, you know, how many guys would actually be better than him if the Orioles just brought him up tomorrow. Truly one of the most valuable, like soup to nuts, one of the most valuable players in all of baseball right now. And Yankee fans are like, man, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. You know, I I mean, it's just, the, the level of delusion is is reached a point of hilarity, but also <laughs> it's like you're right. It it is mental gymnastics. It's it's they they it's circular thinking. It, it makes no sense. Maybe the lockout's getting to them. Yeah, and I mean, meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, the actual Yankees did literally nothing, literally nothing yeah. before the lockout. There's still some possibility that they might do something after. There's still some guys out there, but. I legitimately don't think they signed one dude, did they? Uh, no, not that I saw. I was kind of looking through uh, earlier today, just all the signings that have you know happened, and yeah, the Yankees really haven't been on there at all. Jo- Joely Rodriguez, it, it that's oh, uh, how could we forget? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yankee, Yankee, great Joely Rodriguez. Yep. No, it is funny how kind of the. Red Sox, Dodgers, and Yankees were really not the big spenders. And even the Red Sox ended up doing, you know, some moves here, but it's not like they've done anything crazy so far. Right. I feel like the Red Sox kind of, you're going to look at this offseason when when April comes around, you're going to see that the Red Sox did it in reverse. I think they put like the finishing touches on prior to the lockout. And I think that they're going to make the bigger moves after the lockout. Um, I I don't see them. Heimblum said it on Zoom. He said that it creates a hole in right field, the, the, the Renfro trade, which we will get to and we'll, we'll dissect every piece of that. But he said that creates a hole. So if he's saying that and he has money to spend, he's going to fill that hole with someone, whether it's Suzuki or, or whoever. Um, that hole's going to get filled. It's just going to happen. You can't leave that offensive. I, I mean, you can't lose 30 home runs and 92. 90, 97 RBIs, whatever, uh, in the outfield and not replace it. and Or replace it with Jackie Bradley fucking Jr., who, I, don't get me wrong, I love. But, I mean, he, he had a 497 OPS last year. So, I mean, someone is going to be someone. Uh, uh, let, let's get into that now. We're, we're on the topic. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. get into that trade before some of the other signings. Yeah. Because I think it really caught everybody by shock. This happened, you know, 11 o'clock, an hour before the... Uh, lockout happened here you know obviously I don't think a single soul expected us to trade Hunter Renfro and I don't think a single soul expected us to get Jackie Bradley Jr. back and I mean you do get two uh, pretty nice bats back in the trade as well but it was kind of you know not what you might expect from a team that made the playoffs last year and looking to make it again uh, uh, this year again in the future. Yeah, it was just pretty baffling, honestly, and it, and it came right at right at that you know that final hour before uh, you know everything was locked out, where you get that notification that you know JBJ's coming to the Sox, and you know the Sox ship out Hunter Renfro, which obviously, like you mentioned, LeBeau, thirty home runs, you know, over ninety RBIs. Oh, that's a lot to lose on a team you know that went to the you know went to the CS this past season, and they're looking to obviously you know make a World Series run next year. Um, you know, to lose a guy like Renfro, 
that's pretty tough. And, and bringing back a guy like JBJ, who's obviously great defensively. Um, you know, he's great in the outfield there. Bat, not so much. Um, you know, as we saw this past year and, you know, really throughout his career and in, in, with his Red Sox tenure. Um, it's weird, but I think like you mentioned as well, I mean, they're, they, they're going to have to fill that at some point, uh, hopefully after the lockout, they can, you know, sign somebody and, uh, you know, fill that hole there that, you know, that they're going to have, because that's something that they're going to have to do if they do, uh, if they do plan on contending for a world series this season. For sure. And I was looking at it and I was like, I was kind of coming around to it, you know, cause they, they essentially bought prospects. That's what, that's what they did. They, they had excess money to spend so they said well you know we could bolster the farm system a little bit and take a, a guy that's unbelievable in center field probably the best in the league um use him maybe in the postseason or down the stretch and you have a guy who hunter renfro had maybe his best season he'll ever have so you sold high on him right and then i was thinking like the the i'm a heim bloom defender so we're all pretty much in in the heim bloom is good for the red sox camp right and one of the, the things that if you're on Twitter or if you're defending Heim Bloom on a regular basis, one of the things that you know you always kind of brought up was, well, Heim Bloom went and got Hunter Renfro and he hit 30 bombs and 90 plus RBIs. That was a huge that was a huge selling point. If you're like, no, Heim Bloom knows what he's doing. He got this guy. All right, he just traded him for a guy that had a 497 OPS. So I mean, it's like it, when you look at it in the in the whole picture, if he replaces Renfro, I think that. I'll be fine with it. But if he doesn't, I mean, now you're, it's like you, you kind of maybe lose a little bit of faith in the, in the, in the, the, the journey a little bit, trust the process. But I mean, it, it, it does like kind of just rub me a little bit the wrong way. It's like Renfro was the guy that bloom got and everyone was like, Oh, it's a great deal. Great signing, great addition. And then he just traded him for, for JBJ. So it, it's just, yeah. I, so I they kind of like a, like a, a season finale cliffhanger, you know, where this, I don't want to say terrible thing happens at the end here, but you're left in suspense because you know more is going to happen afterwards. You know, they're going to either sign, uh, you know, one of the free agent bats out there or make some move in a way. But now, you know, you kind of are in this limbo where you're not going to know what's going to happen over the course of the next few months. Because let's say, you know, this lockout does continue all the way until March, where it does affect even spring training. And if it affects spring training, it's going to affect the regular season in some way as well, whether they're able to play a full 162 or maybe they go into November or something like that, kind of like what you saw in uh, Korea and Japan over the last two years with uh, what they had to do with their whole COVID situation because they actually took it seriously, which must be nice. Um, so you, you kind of know there are more moves that are going to be made, or at least you hope, because you don't know right now. But it was a very – it wasn't a move I don't feel like makes them better in the immediate run. It might make them better in the future run. But JBJ is not going to be, you know, your everyday center fielder like he was from – 2015 to 2020 he's gonna kind of be more of a backup bat for you know maybe a guy getting rest he might see him play kind of more right field and center field as opposed to just being a primarily center fielder before maybe you move some other guys around because he probably is your best defensive center fielder I mean I don't know maybe two or three guys in the entire league that are better out in center field than him but 
it, it just is a weird feeling to end your oh not season or your off season like that, but end baseball right now on that yeah with that taste in your mouth. It's really almost like I mean, like you guys had said, it's it, it's kind of like a TBD on the trade. Like it's to be determined on you know looking at this trade because you know obviously if something happens, you know once a lockout's over and they fill that gap, then yeah, it's great. Um, you know, uh, but if they don't do anything, then you're left with like, okay, well, what are we doing here? Like we just you know gave up a guy in Renfro for you know JBJ. Um, that doesn't really help us win, um, you know, any more than than having Renfro here. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of TBD really on the trade. And, um, you know, how we can really grade it going forward is all going to is all going to depend on what happens um, with Heimblum and, and what he ends up doing post lockout uh, with this with this roster. Yeah. And, and, and trust me, I do believe in Bloom and I do believe that he does have a plan not only for the whole the, the team as a whole this offseason, but specifically this move here, this puzzle piece, this specific puzzle piece, which is, you know, a right fielder, and then you got prospects, and then you got also, which JBJ does kind of fill a hole of if you needed, like, all right, so if you needed Kike to play second base, which happened in the playoffs, where you needed Kike, Kike to play second base, you're not going to put Renfro, uh, Verdugo in, in center field, right? That... Verdugo showed that he could play center, but he's not a, a center fielder, and and he's much better off in a corner outfield spot, preferably left field. And right field at Fenway is not his thing really either because he doesn't have the arm strength. So I think JBJ does fill a hole, um, but they got to get a bat. They got to get an everyday outfielder, and it can't just be Schwarber. You can't you can't right. sign Schwarber and have expect him to play right field, the biggest right field in baseball. And that just be okay, and and you know you don't want Verdugo there, so I think they need a legit outfielder that can hit, not just Schwarber. And right. if that's and that, their well, plan, and, if if that was their plan, is real quick, just to sign Schwarber, and that be your your other outfielder, and JBJ be your fourth outfielder. I think that's fucking terrible. I do. I love Schwarber. Well, I think the other issue that might come with signing Schwarber now, if you don't make another move on top of that, it's still very much in play. Kyle Schwarber would make your team better right now. Right. There's no doubt about that. But we are a very left-handed heavy lineup at this point now, and you kind of almost need a big right-handed bat to complement J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts because you have, you know, uh, Rafael Devers in there as well, kind of even it out a little bit. But if you're going to use kind of JBJ in a platoon situation, it would almost be better if he was somehow right-handed and uh, I'm not sure if JBJ batting right-handed could hurt him much more at the plate right now than uh, what his current stats are at. <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, but it it, it kind of does make that move a little bit more in question right now. And I mean, there's obviously um, um, some other guys out there that, you know, might fill it in in the outfield, might fill it in at second base right now that we can get into as well that, uh, you know, might be good fits. But it, it that move changes what you're going to do in, in terms of other moves in the offseason now. And I know, one, obviously, we mentioned it already, but, uh, you know, one of those guys that, you know, could potentially be signed is, uh, you know, Suzuki. 
And, uh, you know, he'd be, you know, obviously one of those guys that could come in and, and, and fill that everyday outfielder role. Um, you know, Jack, I know you watch uh, a lot of international baseball, so I know you're uh, probably very familiar with, uh, you know, Suzuki. So, um, you know, he definitely would be somebody that could come in and, and really, um, you know, serve as that that pop uh, in the lineup and uh, obviously um, that hole uh, in the outfield as well. Yeah, so no, I, I'm obviously a big um, foreign baseball fan, not only, you know, uh, Asian, but I also I've been trying to follow more of um, uh, La Liga, or not La Liga, um, uh, the Dominican League that's going on right now. I'm blanking on the name for some reason. But uh, no, Suzuki is obviously might be the number one outfield bat that's out there right now. And I was looking a little bit more into him over the course of, you know, the last week and a half now because he was always a guy kind down that radar, but you didn't necessarily see a fit because the Red Sox did have so many outfielders already. But now because you're missing Renfro, it kind of almost fits in a little bit. So I actually didn't realize how young this guy was. He was in his age 26 season last year with the Hiroshima Toya Carp, which uh, is in the uh, MPB. But he hit 317 with a 433 on base and a 636 slugging percentage with 38 home runs last year. He's a very good outfielder, has won the Japanese equivalent of a gold glove before. And uh, one thing I didn't realize um, until I was looking at his baseball reference page a little earlier today, he has played a little bit of short. He has played a little bit of third base in the past, even a little bit of first base. So um, you're going to have, you're going to sign him as an outfielder, but he might be able to fill some gaps for you and some other areas where you might have not expected it in um, uh, before. And again, he's only going to be in his age 27 season. So if you give him a multi-year deal, theoretically you're signing him for his prime and hopefully you kind of get some more of that productivity. And I think, you know, for a long time, it was kind of just um, uh, uh, Hideki Matsui as the only good Japanese bat, but I think Otani's kind of, change that narrative a little bit too yeah obviously Ichiro, but that's okay um so Uh, yeah uh, he shares the same birthday as me yeah yeah. (laughs) um no but and and touching on that right i I think that there's been a lot of japanese players that have came over and a lot of them have been pitchers and there's been a lot of great pitchers that have came over don't get me wrong but the bats that have came over i think have hit on a a higher success rate The, the the pitchers kind of have a, a tend to, you know, be boom or bust a little bit. Um, there's a big adjustment, but no one that's had hype that can hit has came over here and failed. I mean, you just mentioned the the, the big three that had the hype offensively: um, Matsui, Otani, and uh, Ichiro. So this guy, uh, apparently, I mean, numbers wise, numbers wise, he's just as good as the as those guys, if not better. Um, I mean, he's a. I think his biggest comparison would be like a right-handed Hideki Matsui, numbers-wise, at least. And Hideki had an unbelievable career here, you know, in the United States. Right now, I think they need him, and I think they need him because if you look at at the right side of the field, uh, you have Bobby Dahlbeck, you have Christian Arroyo, you have Jackie Bradley Jr., um, and you have if you if you if you move back a little bit, you have Christian Vasquez. So those are four guys that honestly are are are, to put it mildly, absolutely dreadful offensively. Um, 
uh, Christian Royal, I have some faith in him. Um, Vasquez, I mean, he's always going to be the catcher, so I'm not, you know, really factoring him in as a change. But you can't have those four guys in your lineup and expect to win anything more than 84 games. So they need him. They need something. They need an outfielder, in my opinion, big time. And he'd be the perfect guy to complete that uh, Renfro and, and Jackie Bradley Jr. trade, like we mentioned. Um, you know, that, that that TBD tag that it has right now, I mean, that's the perfect guy to go out and sign. And, uh, you know, he'd be that big that big bat, that big pop, that right-handed bat um, that the Red Sox need, and he'd be perfect. He'd be a perfect, perfect suitor for this Red Sox lineup uh, going into 2022. Yeah. And it would also be perfect for the Yankees not to sign another right. guy and for him to go to Boston. Yeah. They're competing with the Yankees. They're competing with the Blue Jays. A couple of teams that, you know, love guys from Japan. Good markets for Asian players. So if I'm Suzuki and I'm choosing between those three markets, you know, I'm looking at, you know, a place where he can thrive um, financially. You know, good, good endorsements if you go to any of those three cities. Uh, going to be stiff competition, but no, I think I think it'll be if the Red Sox want him bad enough, and I think they do, and I think they've done their due diligence enough. Then I think he'll he'll fit right in. Hopefully, he'll be playing behind Trevor Story at second base because I I like Christian Royal, but I, I mean I, I I really do like Trevor Story. So, yeah. Well, one last thing about Suzuki, it was very interesting that the Red Sox he. The Red Sox were the only team that he followed on Instagram. Yeah. I'm not going to look too much into the players. He actually ended up following, you know, like a lot of players on a lot of different teams, kind of, you know, the big superstar names that you might expect. But the Red Sox were the only team that he ended up following. And recently, this wasn't, you know, kind of he was following them in the past. This was a recent Twitter or uh, uh, Instagram follow for uh, Suzuki. So I, 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 don't want to look into that too much, but I think it does kind of say a lot that there was at least a lot of traction there. And then who knows, maybe it could have happened those last few minutes and just didn't because you didn't get the paperwork in a time. There could have been an actual agreement that, you know, you kind of pick up and drop off on, um, uh, which is also the case for, you know, probably a lot of other guys out there, too. I, I think that you could see a lot of agreements or um, a lot of official deals like the hour after the, the lockout. Yeah. Is over. I think there was a lot of handshake agreements. I think there was probably and there's probably a lot of talk between agents and executives right now. There's nothing stopping from these guys texting each other and saying, hey, what can we do? Just because you can't ink someone doesn't mean you can't talk. Right. I mean, there's going to be. You're technically not allowed to talk, but. Right. Who. When does that I don't stop know anybody? who's actually regulating this other than right. players, you know? Right. So I can tell you if you're an agent, right, and you're up against the clock and your livelihood depends on someone getting a $250 million contract, I'm breaking those rules because guess what? The MLB can't regulate me. Now, they could regulate the executive, but I don't think anyone's actually keeping track of that. So, um, yeah, I think you'll, you'll see, like, after the, the fucking hour is done, being like, all right, this guy signs here, this guy signs here, this guy signs there. Yeah. And, yeah, it'll be yeah. interesting. And you even see uh, somebody like Justin Verlander where it was not an official deal. 
And, you know, he technically is still a free agent out there right now. So I think he might be really the only big name out there that's like that right now. But technically, you know, let's say the uh, climate changes, he might turn back on that. Uh, I don't see it actually happening, but theoretically it is possible. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to will it to happen, bring Kate up. Or, you know, Boston. maybe he's like an air boot. He's playing basketball. He breaks his leg, and uh, that changes the course of MLB history. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. For now, uh, the Yankees trade for Alex Rodriguez and it, uh, <laughs> ultimately, you know, uh, changes the course of their franchise history. Yeah. Yep. Wow. <laughs> that is wild. So, Jack, I mean, I think really you're just breaking news right now that uh, Suzuki is going to sign with the Sox. That's what um, I heard. I That's think what I heard. if it does happen, Jeff Pass needs to credit us. Yeah. Credit uh, <laughs> NC Dino Stan on Twitter. No, no. no I, I'm going to at least give it to the podcast. We need more followers. Okay. Right. Listen, if uh, if Suzuki doesn't sign with the Red Sox, Jack, just so you know, I am tweeting your address and um, <laughs> there will be Red Sox fans outside your door ready to kill you so please <laughs> release me from this hell <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh, but another name uh you were touching upon before we uh got back to suzuki and everything trevor story another you know great bat that's uh you know still out there that uh you know might be a good fit for us might be good fit for a lot of other teams but uh, a little surprised he didn't sign there. Yeah, there there was him. Um, I, I guess it it was really him, and and the other big name really was Carlos Correa. I really thought he was he was going to get a deal as well. Um, you know, those really are the two guys that you look at. Um, I feel like Correa is almost a little bit more surprising um, that he wasn't signed because uh, there was a big thing with him and the Tigers that he was going to sign this big deal with them. Uh, that didn't happen. Baez ends up signing there. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, those two are definitely surprising. There's a lot of big names still out there um, as well. You know, Kershaw still out there, obviously story Correa. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of names that are still out there that haven't signed, but uh, obviously relating to the Sox and their needs, uh, you know, story and Correa are still uh, still available here. So it's, uh, it's interesting. They didn't sign. Yeah. No, I mean, Oh, sorry. No, go, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. Um, yes, I, I, I mean the the Correa. It, it seems like he's definitely. I, I don't want to say like destined to be a Yankee, but I mean I'm getting that vibe. Um, it just kind of feels like it. It feels like kind of like Garrett Cole all over again, where kind of Yankees are laying in the weeds. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I, I I was surprised Correa didn't sign. I thought he was gonna. I thought he was gonna go for sure. I, I thought Correa was gonna go before Baez. Certainly, I actually kind of thought Baez might be one of those guys, you know, kind of out there uh, in limbo when the uh, clock struck midnight at uh, uh, December second, and you know, uh, he didn't find a team to sign with. So. It's going to be interesting to see where Correa signs. I think Boston's not out of it at this point. It'd be very surprising if they did, and I think it might take them out of some other moves if they did end up signing them. So I, it's probably not going to end up happening. It would have been nice if you know that was your first move and you can build around that. But um, 
you know, there's still a lot of teams in on in on him. Uh, the, he could go back to the Astros if they make a better deal. He, uh, I think the Mariners might be a sleeper team for him. And, you know, uh, like I said, he makes any team better. So he, uh, if a team wants, they, they could sign him. For sure. For sure. And um, I guess we can go kind of to a couple of the Red Sox signings that uh, happened after we recorded the uh, the last episode here. Um, I guess the big one really is, um, you know, there there's Rich Hill uh, that signed that one year deal with the Sox. Obviously, you know, he's been here um, before. Um, multiple back at times. it like a crack at it. <laughs> yeah. Can't get enough. <laughs> That uh, that tweet that you said uh, that you tweeted, Jack, with the guy with the uh, teacher coming into the classroom every day. Like, that, that's Rich Hill. Hello. Hello. <laughs> that literally is. Uh, that's that's the perfect tweet uh, for Rich Hill. Obviously, he's no stranger to to, to the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, Rich Hill's back. The Patriots are back. So there's no coincidence here. Um, Rich Hill came back to Boston so he could get kicked out of another Patriots game. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, I, I think Rich Hill, I, I mean, I was surprised the Rays traded him at the trade deadline last year. They made a good move. Don't get me wrong because they got a power bat, but I was surprised that I think that's what they were lacking the most was a veteran starter. If the race had Rich Hill in the ALDS, I'm not sure it would have been the same outcome. I think he replaces Erod pretty well. If that's their replacement uh, for this year, for one year. So, I, I saw somebody mention this. This was uh, during the season in uh, 2021, but it was during Rich Hill's last start or second to last start with the Rays, where he got taken out after you know three and a third, where he was actually doing well, or maybe four plus innings, and you know he was pissed that he was coming out like because he was doing well, and you know. Somebody mentioned he knew that he was going to get or uh, tr- or Rachel was going to get traded right after that moment because he didn't believe in the Rays way of, you know, maximizing your win probability in every way possible, which, you know, works for the Rays to a degree. They haven't won a World Series, but, you know, that's right. a completely different other subject. But I mean, he, you know, here he is going to be a starter. You know, maybe he'll come out of the pen later on in the season if you really need him to. But he is one of those guys where, you know, he's a starter. He's always wanted to be a starter. And, you know, he was in independent ball as a reliever and, you know, kind of made this great comeback as a starter in his late 30s or mid 30s and now late 30s. And so that's what he wants to do. I think the Rays were probably a bad fit for him. And that's kind of why you saw that trade there. Um, But I think it is a very good signing for the Red Sox. Super low risk on a one-year deal. You know, he probably even took somewhat of a discount because he is a, uh, you know, uh, Boston Milton native. And it's, what, his seventh uh, time signing with the Red Sox and fourth actual season now that he's yeah. gonna be on the big league club so yeah literally i mean it's like the uh buy three get one free discount that uh you might get with him yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i mean it, it's obviously um you know it's it's a it's a great uh piece to have good veteran depth piece to have to this rotation um you know heim bloom's done um you know that so far this season with waka um you know hill um, and then also James Paxton uh, signing him to a one-year deal as well. 
Um, obviously, you know, he was out uh, this past season with uh, with Tommy John surgery. Uh, so he'll probably be back at some point, you know, maybe in the middle of next season. So really, you're kind of getting him for, um, you know, that late push, um, you know, right before the postseason starts. Um, and obviously another veteran guy who's, uh, you know, shown he can obviously pitch well in this league. And, you know, hopefully after the surgery, he can come back, um, you know, strong here and and provide some some innings here for the Sox late in the season. Yeah, no, I mean, all all of the uh, all of the deals, good deals. Uh, Paxton, I think I probably overall, I think I'm probably the most excited about because of the implication to the future. Those last two years are incredibly team friendly. If the Red Sox pick up the option and you get a guy for such a low, you know, AAV that can give you 185 innings and pitch very, very well as pitching in the division. Um, especially in the American League, very well. So, yeah, excited about that one. Uh, Rich Hill, like I said, I think he's going to replace Erod, and that should be, you know, I think the rotation, I, I, I really, if gun to my head, I, w- I would say that they're probably done with the rotation. Maybe, you know, right. maybe yeah. another little uh, piece to, because think about it, they lost three pitchers, right? Martin Perez, Gary Richards, and Erod, and they signed three, but they kind of signed more like two because Paxton, Probably won't come back until August or September. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if they signed one more or traded yeah. for one more. Right. Because a lot of, I mean, that kind of goes uh, in hand with obviously some of the big name pitchers that were out there that have already been signed, like a Scherzer going to the Mets for three years, uh, Robbie Ray to the Mariners for five years. Stroman, you know, was a big one that, you know, we had talked about, you know, the last couple of episodes. He ended up going to the Cubs uh for three years so those those you know those three big names obviously are out of the out of the book now so if they were if bloom was to add to the rotation probably going the trade route um you know also i mean kershaw's still out there he's he's one of the bigger names but um yeah more likely than not i feel like bloom probably goes the trade route if he is going to add uh to the rotation at all yeah no i kind of like what you guys said the Rotation's pretty much set at this point. Um, Paxton's going to bring you some stability down the road. He had Tommy John, uh, I believe it was late April of 2021. So, you know, you might even get him down the push for a few starts, uh, maybe in August, even September. Maybe he comes out of the pen, even just kind of building him up, um, you know, down the playoff stretch. You can never have too much pitching, especially at that time of year, especially when, you know, rosters do expand. So those team options in uh, the 2023 and 2024 season do make a big difference. I think, you know, you kind of saw that one-year deal when it first came out from Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal, and everybody's going to like, why are you giving a guy that, you know, is really not going to pitch this year $10 million? But it makes a lot more sense when you kind of factor in those uh, team options, not even player options. So it gives them, you know, more long-term flexibility of what they want to do, even – if it doesn't work out, it's $10 million. It's not going to really hurt too much. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with, you know, luxury taxes and everything with the new collective bargaining agreement. But it was a very low risk slash no risk type of thing that gives you a little bit more depth. And even, you know, when Hill and Paxton and Walker are in there, you still have, uh, Mike, uh, you still have um, Tanner Houck and um, – uh, you know, guys like uh, Connor Siebold and uh, Brian Bayo in the minors. 
I think really kind of the biggest thing these three signings told me is that Garrett Whitlock's going to be in the bullpen for 2021 or 2022 and beyond. They see him as a reliever. If they were going to have him be a starter, they probably would have already said it. So he's going to be your either eighth inning guy or who knows, he might end up even being your closer at one point in the 2022 season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously going to be interesting to see what they do uh, here post-lockout, you know, with um, the outfield situation and obviously, um, you know, pitching as well, maybe adding some depth to the to the bullpen if they can if they can go that route. Um, so, yeah, I know, uh, <clears throat> Jack, I don't know, uh, you had, you know, wanted to uh, do something fun here with the uh, Hall of Fame voting as well. I don't know if you want to do that now or you want to push it off a little, uh, maybe a little later or... Um, yeah, I don't really think there's too much really to touch upon, you know, in the offseason. There's obviously bullpen arms out there. Probably not going to sign a closer. You know, it's going to be a name you might not expect. So it's even almost just pointless to speculate on at this point. They're going to do something. But, you know, there's so many names out there. There's so many trade options out there that who, who knows? So, um, yeah, no, I mean. A uh, lot of new names on there. A lot of last na- last year names on the Hall of Fame ballot. So uh, should be interesting to see who gets in and uh, who who falls off. Oh, exactly. Um, and I know you had um, you know when when the uh, when the ballot had come out. I know you had tweeted out uh, you know your picks. I know most you know. I changed a, it a little bit. You did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That was, that was eight, my initial right? ballot. I, I've dug into it a little bit more at this point. You get eight, right? Just confirm. You get ten. Ten. Okay. Oh wow. Jesus. Yeah. Can I and vote some for people Apple think it be more? Beef? I think ten is actually a good number. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ready to rock. I got my ten. I, I got my uh, ten too. And you don't have to vote for all ten. You can. Leave it blank, like if you're oh, a that's, fucking idiot. Oh, that's what it is. I looked at a ballot before and I saw eight, so he just might he he must have just voted for just eight. So yeah, no, it, it, exactly. You can vote for eight. You can vote for one. You can vote for nobody. And oh, if you vote for nobody, just you lose your goddamn vote. ballot. Like, what are you doing? Right. And uh, if you're a member, you cannot vote at all, and it doesn't get counted towards the percentage points. Okay, so I I have I have I have seven here that I want in the Hall of Fame. And and I don't think that it's uh, and I'm not saying that the rest I don't, but I have seven that I I for sure want in the Hall of Fame. So Barry Bonds, of course, obviously, but you guys knew that. Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, Roger Clemens, David Ortiz, that's five. Alex Rodriguez is seven. I'm I'm sorry, six. I said seven, six. That's Alex Rodriguez is six. <laughs> and honestly, I think. I think that's it for now. I think that's all that deserves my vote. And I think that I don't care about steroids. It's incredibly hard to hit a baseball. Okay. I mean, Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez were both unbelievable athletes before steroids. That is a proven fact. And they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, They transcended the game. And um, Manny Ramirez is the greatest right-handed hitter I've ever watched and it's not even close. Uh, he is just so smooth, so beautiful. He is my favorite athlete of all time. And yeah, that's my that's my ballot. 
you don't like it, die. So my opinion <laughs> on the whole steroid thing before I get into my ballot is if you did it before 0405 when it was hard illegal to do it in baseball, that was uh, Bud Selig's fault for essentially allowing it and benefiting from it. So I don't think you should be punished for the Hall of Fame for it. But if you failed the test post then and, you know, got an 80 game plus suspension for it, I'm sorry, you're out. You're out. I mean, you're. it's just too cloudy at that point. So, you know, yeah, before 04, literally everybody, not, I don't want to say everybody was doing it, but so many guys were doing it. It was an even playing field. So a guy like, you know, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds do make it onto my list. But guys like uh, Alex Rodriguez and Manny Ramirez uh, don't make it on my list here. So um, I, I do have uh, my uh, ballot here. Um, and I'm just going to go in alphabetical order. And I will also say before I go on, I vote for some guys to stay on theoretically, not that I have an actual ballot to kind of stay on the ballot and kind of have more recognition because, you know, a guy like Edgar Martinez initially was not a hall of famer and ended up making it in because of, you know, more perspective later on. So, uh, literally the first guy on my list, which, probably might cut, catch a lot of people by surprise is Bobby Abreu nearly a 400 on base percentage entire career 288 home runs over 400 stolen bases uh, a couple gold gloves in there as well so he's a guy that you know probably won't make it in I think he deserves a little bit more recognition than he might get at times um, and then obviously that comes down to Barry Bonds Roger Clemens last year on the ballot where those are no-brainers for me I can't believe they're they're not already in um, another guy that I think deserves to make it in, you know, he might may or may not make it. Todd Helton. I I don't care about Coors Field. He's his numbers are there. Um, but another guy, I can't believe this is even a debate. Uh, Andrew Jones, so many gold gloves, played for so many great teams on the Braves in the 90s and, you know, had an illustrious career. I think he definitely deserves to make it on uh, Jeff Kent. Uh, I, I know uh, Matt LeBeau mentioned him as well. Uh, ranks up there with some of the best second basemen of all time. Won an MVP award with Barry Bonds on his team. There was yeah. one year in baseball where Barry Bonds was not the best player on his own team, and I, that is unbelievable. Uh, David Ortiz, I mean, he's probably not going to make it in the first round. He should make it in eventually, I think. Um, like I mentioned, uh, A-Rod and Manny were not on my ballot. Scott Rowland, easy Hall of Famer for me. Um uh, the defensive metrics and what we know about defense now, I think, shows how valuable he was, especially compared to a lot of uh, posi- or comparative positions that he was at at the time. Um, another guy that's probably not going to make it in but deserves more recognition, Jimmy Rollins, won that MVP, had the 2020-2020 season, 20, uh, <laughs> 20 doubles, 20 triples, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. I can't see that ever happening again. And uh, the last guy on my list, uh, Billy Wagner, relievers deserve to make it in. He's as good as anybody else. So yeah, I did fill out a full 10 ballot um, just because I want some guys to stay on. There's probably only about six, maybe seven guys that I actually think are going to make it in or should make it in. But um, uh, I, I believe in a big haul. Yeah. Well, someday when you get a vote from the BBWAA, yeah. then... You can tell everyone that you left Manny Ramirez off your ballot like a fucking bozo. Yep. <laughs> two two failed tests. 
two fail tests. No, Come I know. On. I know. I understand. I understand. I get it. I don't like the it. But I, get there. It. I, I would love to vote him in, but I, I can't vote a rod in and not vote Manny in. Same with the guy they're, like they're one in the same and, that's, that and a few my, other guys out there. Yeah, they're one in yeah. the same. That was my that was my reasoning for having a rod in because I had to have Manny in. And I I mean, Manny Ramirez is the reason I, I love baseball. I mean, I I just I fell in love with the guy when I was you know, yeah. in elementary school. So it was hard not to eat too. Oh yeah. No, so, I love right. Manny. I mean, um, if he didn't fail those, literally if Manny did not do anything after what was it? Uh, 2010 when he got, or oh nine, oh ten when he got traded, he would have been in the hall of fame. He had to do nothing and he would have been in the hall of fame. Yeah. 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 All right, Galveo, go. Yeah. Um, all right. I got bonds. Clemens, I also have Jones as well, uh, Jack uh, Ortiz, Ramirez, um, I have Schilling, uh, Vizquel, and Jimmy Rollins. Nice. I like Omar Vizquel. Yeah. yeah. I like the Omar Vizquel pick. I good. would like it if it wasn't for the domestic abuse and him literally sexually abusing a, a mentally challenged uh, minor league um uh, not player, but uh, employee. So for that reason, I'm out. Um, so um, I, I didn't know about the I didn't that, know about the minor league player. Thing. That one I didn't know about actually. Yeah, no that that came out recently. Apparently, he was legitimately sexually harassing a mentally challenged uh, minor league employee when he was a manager for some White Sox affiliate. So I can't in good conscience Jesus vote for Christ. him. But another name on there that is. Um, very interesting that we didn't even touch upon was uh, Kurt Schilling. Yeah. And the guy was nails in the playoffs. I mean, especially yeah. with uh, the Diamondbacks, um, obviously that uh, that run with the Red Sox as well. I mean, he, he he's uh, he's unbelievable. I, I know he gets I know he's got a lot of off field stuff that. Yeah, but that's know, not yes, that. But that was right. nobody's debating. Right. Right. That's not. Yeah, that's not a Hall of Fame, you know consideration Kurt Schilling I feel like he deserves it I just didn't vote for him because at the end of the day I just I think I have such a bias towards offensive players I, I don't know I just I think I, the thing that really made it easy for me is him saying that he wanted to be off the ballot he's okay with not making it in he knows he's not going to make it in at this point too and I think that's why he said it over right. the last year you know I'm not going to impose my political beliefs on anybody but he has kind of gone to a little bit more extreme than you should about it, especially a lot of his comments about, uh, you know, journalism in the press, uh, especially with the last few years now. You know, there's obviously a lot of conservatives and Republicans that are in the Hall of Fame that, you know, we don't even know about what their opinions about anything are. But I think the fact that he's so vocal about it and, you know, a lot of times, um, even if you are leaning towards the right i think he's said a lot of wrong things i don't think it's a very good look for baseball for him to be in the hall of fame unfortunately right i, I just i i understand i just i think when it comes to shilling i think that his biggest problem is he he he, he knows that journalism's journalists control who gets into the hall of fame and um i mean i think that's a problem i, I do think it's a problem yeah. i mean people who write about the game decide who gets into the hall of fame for me it doesn't make any sense so um 
you know, there should be like a committee of people who played or coached that decide who gets into the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. That's right. probably the best way to do it. The well, BBWAA. You see that with the veterans committees. There's been even a few guys that have already made it in this year, like Buck O'Neill, finally, and uh, Gil Hodges, yeah. and um, a few other guys that were long overdue, unfortunately, not Dick Allen. Um, so, he, you know, he maybe he'll get his um, time in Cooperstown eventually, but I think right now, kind of in the political climate of everything, you don't want to give Kurt Schilling the biggest stage to say whatever he wants, essentially uncensored. So um, maybe down the road, I I think he is deserving for what he did in his career, but it's he has not done himself literally any favors. No. Kind of no, like Pete Rose. He has. Right. And, and, and like you said, I think the biggest thing is, is him saying he was OK with not getting in. I think it's probably the nail in the coffin. But the biggest thing that, you know, it is frustrating as a fan. It's not the 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 politics Hall of Fame. It's the baseball Hall of Fame. And that is really important when you're voting for people. It doesn't care who they are. It doesn't matter who they are. It's about how good you were as a baseball player. You know, character doesn't play a role in your voting. I know it's hard because we want to like people that we look up to that play well or, or, or do well, but it really is, you know, who's the best baseball player. And I, I didn't even vote for Kurt Schilling. I don't think he really is all like a, a unanimous, un, undoubted choice to be in the hall of fame. I just don't think it should factor into his hall of fame consideration. That's all. Yeah. I actually disagree with you there because there's nothing saying that, these those factors should not be into consideration. And I think, you know, that's on the Baseball Hall of Fame and their voting process. It should not just be, you know, journalists voting. And I think that is a very terrible way to do it. And the journalists that they're picking, you know, are just kind of BBWAA members for life. You know, these guys might have not might have stopped covering the game back in 2005 and still get a right. vote. I remember yeah. hearing a few years ago yeah. that. Uh, somebody was like, oh, can you can somebody send me a stat packet of you know <laughs> players? I don't know who to vote for. And somebody just replied to him, uh, you know, a baseball reference link, like, look it up yourself. Like, yeah. what are you doing? So the voting system is very much broken and it's on the Baseball Hall of Fame to fix it. And they're just not going to do it. They're just. Yeah. Not. yeah, I agree. For sure. But um. Yeah, they, they should be announcing that at some point, though, the the actual uh, Hall of Fame inductees. Uh, I think it's January when they announce yeah. it. So that'll be interesting. We'll have to obviously touch on that once it comes out. But um, yeah, unless you guys had anything, I think that probably about wraps it up for this week. Um, I don't know if you guys we did have a that. few Twitter questions. That's we right. had two right. well, yeah. Twitter questions. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to start <laughs> off with uh, my buddy Kyle Sullivan here, uh, who, by the way, followed our uh, Twitter page before both of you. I was the first follower because I made Whoa. the page. Wow. He followed That's it before both of you. So. <laughs> cheers, Kyle. Uh, yeah. Uh, kind of. Um, yeah. Cheers, doing? Kyle. Uh, uh, his question was, should I take steroids to help my calves uh, be the biggest in the universe? And the answer is yes. Um, you will not make it into the Hall of Fame, unfortunately, but if you just want to be a big buff boy with big yeah. calves, the yeah. equivalent of Dan Douglas forearms, then yes, you should yeah. do it. Um, yeah, I, I would say um, 
maybe even consider the implants route. Um, you know, I don't know how much that would be. I don't know if um, health insurance covers that at all. Probably not. But um, I, w- I would even consider that, too. Uh, you know, if you don't want to do steroids, maybe try to go that route, too. That's yeah. what I would say. I, I, I'm going to say do the steroids. Um, 100%. This is this is medical advice. Um, and if if you want to try and sue me, that's fine. We can work it out. However, this is medical advice. Do the steroids. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is the doctor of the podcast. Just do yeah. steroids. And our second question, uh, we already touched upon this, but this comes from SoxFan61843876. I guess SoxFan1 through 61843875 were taken. So he had to settle on that <laughs> username here. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, story to the socks. We kind of touched upon that before. Um, but, um, I think all of us in agreement, if that did end up happening, we'd be very happy. Would not be, would not be upset about that for sure. Not, not upset at all. I think he'd be a great fit. Second base. I I think it allows Bogarts to stay at short, even though I think story is probably a better shortstop than Bogarts. I think that to make Bogarts as happy as possible, keep him at short. Maybe they'll switch off a little bit, but story, great second baseman, hit a lot of bombs over the monster. And like even Bogarts mentioned, you know, he, he wouldn't mind maybe moving to second base down the line here. So, you know, easy transition as well on, on that end. So I think Story is probably a better defender than Bogarts, but I think we've kind of touched upon this before. You don't want to move your franchise shortstop unless if it's a guy for like Correa or maybe a Corey Seager uh, or somebody like that. For somebody that, you know, is not going to be a seven, eight year deal like story is going to be at this point. Um, you probably keep story at second base. God forbid, you know, uh, Xander ends up on another team and then you could move story to shortstop right. again. But I think, you know, if story is coming to the Red Sox, he would be playing second base. And I think, you know, I mentioned this before, uh, Trevor story would play catcher if it means he could get out of uh, uh, the Rockies organization at this point. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, thank you guys for the questions um, and the follows as well. We, we're, the number keeps growing, so that's good. Um, obviously, Twitter is very active. Um, a lot of people always following, liking, retweeting. I know we had a guy that uh, what followed us, retweeted us, subscribed on Apple Podcasts because, um, you know, he said as soon as we mentioned Duncan in our last episode, he knew we were, were we were the guys. Yeah, we were yeah. his people. So that, yeah. That's good. That was, that was yeah. a good comment. I mean, we got a lot of we got a lot of love, and 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 really, I mean, for being eight episodes in, by the time this drops, or this is our eighth episode, right, or seven? Yeah, eight. Yep. Eight. Yeah, we're yeah. we're only about two months in, even. I mean, for for being where we are now, I I just am very grateful for everyone that. Um, engages with us, whether it be on social media or uh, on the podcast, you know, really just so much appreciated. Um, and, you know, we'll definitely our promise to you would be always keep keeping it funny for you. Um, Red Sox content, you know, that's what it's all about. We're going to 2022 is going to be a great year and, and we're looking forward to it for sure. I think we should all do steroids one cycle. I think that would be. And good. not only do I think steroids should be legal, I think they should be mandatory. Yeah, <laughs> this is medical advice. If you're listening, yeah. do steroids. Uh, this is something Anthony Fauci will not tell you, but we will. Please sue me. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, yeah, please sue me. You, oh, you have so much to take. <laughs> <laughs> they're taking that ugly sweater from you, LeBeau. No, they, yeah. they're not taking this off me, that's for sure. They're going to have to pry it off your dead body. Yep, they'll have to pry it. Ah <laughs> oh, man. Well, there it is, episode eight. Don't don't forget also to um, you know, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts as well. That's huge. Leave a comment. Tell us how handsome we are. Give me those five stars. Tell a friend. Tell a friend, yeah. Exactly. It, it, if you can find out how to hack Apple and give us six stars, that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's it. Episode eight. Um, we'll be back with you guys next week and, uh, do steroids and oh, fuck Bronxy and drink some Mountain Dew. Peace. Cold now. I just can't say goodbye. I'm in the corner. Why do you kiss her? Oh.